Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 to 79. It begins, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors, and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, let me begin by reading our second scripture today from the 23rd chapter of Luke's Gospel. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus. They crucified him there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, and the leader scoffed at him, saying, He is God's chosen one. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our Parallax series is over, and Alex always likes to take a little break between sermon series, and that's fine. He's earned it. I drew the short straw this time, so here I am on Associate Pastor Sunday. For weeks, though, I've been telling Alex that I couldn't wait to get to this Sunday because I was moved out of my safe little box, my comfort zone, during the Parallax series, and I said to him, as soon as I can preach on my own again, I'm going right back into that little box and I am gonna preach from the lectionary, and I am not going to try to memorize my sermon, I'm gonna use my manuscript. And so here I am, 
doing all the things I promised Alex I would do. Now, some of you may be wondering what I'm talking about, what the lectionary is all about. So just for a real quick uh, refresher, the lectionary is a three-year cycle of readings. Each Sunday, we have a reading from the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Epistles, and the New Testament. And they are there for pastors to preach from if they so choose. Now, there's no rule that says we have to preach from the lectionary, but for most of my 33 years, uh, I have used the lectionary cycle of preaching, of readings for my preaching. It, it is an easy way to find what to preach on, but it also can push you to preach on something that you might not otherwise find comfortable to preach on. You're gonna hear more about the lectionary because believe it or not, Alex is following me and he's gonna use the lectionary during Advent for his new sermon series called The Chosen. Now the Christian year runs from the first Sunday of Advent, which will be next Sunday, to the last Sunday of November, usually uh, today, which is called Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday. Our scripture reading, the readings this morning, as unusual as they may feel to hear them at this time of year, are actually brackets around Jesus' reign as king of this world in when he was here in the flesh. Just like we put brackets around dates, the reading from Luke 1, the words of Zechariah, are the beginning, the call to Jesus' ministry, and then we move to the end where we see Jesus on the cross. Now this opening event comes to us from Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist. Now you may or may not remember that Zechariah had gone into the temple to perform his priestly duties as the priests were required to do every so often. And while he was in the temple, an angel of the Lord came to him. He had a vision. And this angel said to him, Zechariah, a lot is going to happen. And one of the big things that's going to happen is that your wife is going to have a child, a son named John, name him John, and this son of yours and Elizabeth's will bear witness, will be the herald of the coming Messiah. Now, just like Abraham's wife Sarah, Elizabeth was well beyond the years of uh, childbirth or being able to conceive. And Zechariah had accepted the fact long ago that he and Elizabeth would not have children of their own. So when he hears this message, he doubts just a little bit, like many of us would, and he says, how can this be? You might hear an echo of that when we hear Mary's story. How can this be, Zechariah asks, and the angel explains exactly how it can be because God is going to do it, and then he tells Zechariah that because you doubted God's power, you are going to be silent for the entire term of this pregnancy. So for nine months, Zechariah can't say a word, and in Luke 1 that Alex read this morning, that is the first time we hear Zechariah talk again. And he gives us words of prophecy about his own son, who will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
and will go before the Lord to prepare the ways of Jesus, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, to bring light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the ways of peace. Zechariah goes on and on about what John the Baptist and Jesus are going to do. And those eloquently spoken words to all who are finally ready to listen to him and to us who read it thousands of years later are all about the beginning of a new kingdom, the coming of a king. And not just any old king, but a king who is going to have the ability to bring light to the darkness, to bring people out of the shadow of death, and to bring peace to the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I would vote for that person. Who wouldn't? But the harder question is who believes that there's really such a leader as that? So we fast forward through the Gospel of Luke. We hear about John the Baptist calling the people to repentance. We hear the baptism story of Jesus. We hear about the healings, the teachings, the angry outbursts, and how all the people in power and authority are feeling threatened by Jesus' teaching because his teaching is countercultural. It is against the norm. It is not what they are used to. And the people in power are afraid that their power is going to be taken away. These chapters in the Gospel of Luke have all that you would want to find in a New York Times bestseller. And then we come to chapter 23. Jesus stands passive before the authorities. They mock him and they beat him. He is scoffed at and he is demeaned and he says nothing. And when Pilate confronts him point blank and says, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus looks at Pilate and says, you say that I am. He makes no claim of authority or power. The crowd demands Barabbas, a criminal, and asks that Jesus be crucified. They have lost faith. This man cannot possibly be the king, the Messiah, the promised one from the Old Testament days, from the Torah books, because he doesn't look like a king, and he is not acting like a king. He is no king. He has no kingdom. This is all fake news. We can feel the confusion, the disappointment, the despair. It's as if all the air is sucked out of the room. We've been there. We've been that person who pinned a lot of hopes and dreams on something or on someone, and then it didn't turn out the way we thought it was going to. We've been there when we thought that we had the leadership that we needed to really make a difference, to really change things. And then that leadership fails us. We've been there in the midst of misunderstanding when we feel as though everything that we had been told or that we thought we knew turns out to be a lie. 
This so-called king hangs on the cross between a criminal who recognizes him and a criminal who continues to scoff and demean him. This one on the cross is the antithesis of a king, the opposite of any kind of king that we or the people then would expect to see. He wears no crown with jewels. He has a crown of thorns. The inscription, this is the king of the Jews, is written in crude lettering and slapped up on the cross as a way to demean him further. Instead of using his power to bully and coerce and intimidate and get his way, Jesus lets all the earthly powers and principalities have their way with him. Silently, he takes the abuse. Silently, he takes on our sin, the sin of the spectators and the scoffers, the mockers and the deniers. And in this moment, if we pay very close attention, we learn something about real power and real authority. Real authority and power comes by way of service, not by the way of demanding to be served. Real authority and power comes when we are willing to pour ourselves out for another human being. You see, the real majesty of King Jesus comes through rescuing the lost and comforting the brokenhearted. The real power of his kingdom comes when we serve others here in this place right now, bringing God's kingdom here, just like it says in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The power of this kingdom comes when we give of ourselves and our worldly goods beyond a place where we feel comfortable and safe. It comes when the number we write on our commitment card is just a little bit more than what we think we can easily give. It comes when we attach that extra dollar to the bookmarks in our pew so that more mission work can be done. It comes when we say yes to serving as an elder or a deacon or a trustee, like all of the people we saw up here and a few more at our 9 o'clock service. You see, Christ the King is really Christ the kind. And being kind in our world today is possibly even more counter-cultural than it was 2,000 years ago. Kindness is a lost art. But we can take it back. Kindness comes when we care for the weak and the broken, when we welcome the immigrant, when we sit at the memorial service for a friend on the Saturday before Thanksgiving and think of all the millions of other things that we could be doing. 
It comes when we open our homes, or at least our pocketbooks, to the lost and the lonely, the downtrodden, the addict, the scary man, the dirty woman on the street. These are the ones that are, make up the kingdom of God. These are the ones that our king chooses to serve, not the rich, not the powerful, but the least of these. It is fitting that Christ the King Sunday come just as our holiday season comes into full swing. In the midst of the overflowing tables that we will sit at, or most of us will sit at on Thursday, and the endless calls from television and Facebook and any social media outlet that you can name to buy more, to find the right gift, to spend this much money, so that everybody will be smiling on Christmas. It is fitting that this is Christ the King Sunday, and we read the text from Luke, usually saved for Good Friday, and we hear again about our suffering Savior, about the one who gave up everything for us, and who in turn invites us to give up everything for the other. So here I stand in front of you at the end of November 2019. How did the year go so fast? And I remind you that Jesus is our King. Jesus is the Lord of our hearts. Jesus is Lord of all that is seen and unseen. Regardless, of how it feels in our world today, of what the news media wants to tell us, of what the headlines shout out at us, Jesus reigns. It is still the reign of Christ in this world for those of us who choose to follow this king, a king like no other. Yes, Jesus is king. We have countless immigrants living in our shadows because they have no clear path to legal citizenship. We have an increasing number of homeless men, women, and families that we struggle to serve in our PADS program and through various other agencies like Faith Community Homes. But I stand in front of you today and tell you that my own witness is that there are too many that fall through the cracks, too many that these agencies cannot help, too many who are sent to live on the street. The discrepancy between those who have and those who have not continues to grow in spite of tax reform legislation and because of a rejection to raise the minimum wage. $22 an hour, that's what it costs to pay rent in this community. $22 an hour, and tens of thousands of people work for $12 and $13 an hour when they're lucky enough to get the work. We are all too aware of the hungry, the homeless, 
the children who do not have a reliable parent or a safe place to call home. It is, it is completely and totally overwhelming, all of it. No matter, no matter which way we look at these situations, when they present themselves to us, it is so easy to throw up our hands in despair and feel overwhelmed. And yet I say to you in the midst of all of it, Jesus reigns. Jesus is king. Jesus continues to work his will in this world and invites us to do the same. Jesus' ministry was controversial, powerful, and world-altering to the point that it cost him his life on a, in a humiliating death on a cross in front of all of those who followed him and listened to him and believed him. And yet still, he continued and continues today to be king. The truth of the gospel and the truth of our faith is that Jesus is our good and gracious king who forgives others, who forgives us, who heals others, who helps others even at the cost of his own life. Now, we would prefer that our king build a kingdom reserved for nice people, clean people, people with proper documentation, well-behaved people. But that's not the kingdom Jesus builds, and it's not the kingdom he wants us to build with him. Not only in heaven is this not the kingdom, but right here on earth. Our king builds a kingdom for addicts and adulterers. He builds a kingdom for thieves and prostitutes, for rebellious teenagers and for disgruntled employees and for people who don't shower and for people who are so different from all of us that they scare us half to death. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is the kingdom that we are asked to build with him. So today I'm asking you, inviting you, to believe in this good and gracious king, this kind king, Jesus. And then I'm also asking you to hear the invitation to go beyond believing. Consider committing your life to this king. Consider committing your life to the work of building his kingdom. I know it isn't easy. It's exhausting. It will put us outside the norm. It will make us look and act and feel different from most of our friends and neighbors. It will ask us to do things that we don't think we can do, things that we are in fact quite sure we cannot do or that we don't want to do. Building this kingdom, serving this king, will demand our life, our soul, our all. 
but the king asks, do we dare say no? Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.